Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. During my time as a pastor, I've had several meetings over the years that kind of all follow the same storyline, and they're pretty heartbreaking actually. A man will walk into my office and he'll say, well, my marriage is over. Like, what? You know, all of a sudden, out of the blue, without warning, it's over. Like two nights ago, I come home and she's gone. Won't answer my phone calls, won't return my text. It's over. Whoa. Or just the other day, we were having this argument. It's the same argument that we've had many, many times in the past. So I'm really good at it. You know, I'm kind of well-versed in my arguments. And so I was making my case. I was proving my point, And I look up, and she didn't even seem into it. I said, what's wrong? She said, nothing. I said, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. So I finished making my point, and then she said, I'm finished. I said, well, how did we get here? And the man will usually say to me, well, you weren't listening, Mike. I told you this was out of the blue. This was without warning. This was completely all of a sudden. Like if you're looking for a discernible trail that leads to this moment, You're not going to find one, Mike. It's out of the blue. It's all of a sudden. It's without warning at all. So I try to dig a little bit deeper, and I'll ask a question, something like this. Well, have you guys been spending a lot of time together? He'll say something like this. Well, she's been really busy at work, and I've been really busy at work. Okay, well, what about leisure time? Well, that's the thing, you know. Like, being really stressed out at work, I just really needed a hobby. So me and my buddies started uh, doing remote-controlled cars. I just needed it, you know? A couple beers with the boys, rip around in the RCs, it's good for the soul. Okay. Well, do you talk much? Well, obviously, we were living in the same house, so we talk all the time. Oh, okay, good, good, good. So when's the last conversation that you can remember? Well, a couple nights ago we talked. Okay, well, what did you say? I said, uh, pass the ketchup. Okay, let's go a little bit deeper. When's the last time you really encouraged your wife? And he'll say something like this, well, what do you mean by that? I don't know, like speak words of life, speak words of hope, speak words of strength. I don't know what you mean. Okay, well, do you discourage her? Do you criticize her? Of course not, I would never do that. Hmm. When's the last time that you gave her a suggestion? A suggestion. Well, that's interesting, Mike. I'm glad you asked that because a few months ago, this woman started working at my office. She's really hot. Her name is Lolita. And uh, I told my wife, hey, there's this, thank you so much. Thank you, mom. There's this new, uh, there's this new girl. I told my wife, there's this new girl at work. She's hot. Her name's Lolita. So just a couple weeks ago, I suggested to my wife that if she wanted to look more like Lolita, she should work out a little bit more. And I say, I don't think we got here all of a sudden. I don't think this was completely out of the blue and without warning, my young friend. In fact, I have a theory. I have a theory that I could find a discernible path to this moment. And if I had to pick a word that would describe it, here's the word. You drifted here. Drifting. It's part of the human condition to drift, by the way. And what we'll notice is that when we drift through life, we always drift from the desirable 
towards the undesirable, from the desirable towards the undesirable, from the best case scenario to the worst case scenario, from a story worth telling to a story that we don't really wanna tell. That's what drifting does. It's true not just relationally, it's true in every area of our lives. It's true nutritionally, like I wish I could tell you that when I drift through my life nutritionally, I drift towards vegetables, but I do not. I drift towards sour cream and onion chips, which do not count as vegetables, and so do you. I wish that I could tell you that when I drift through my life, when it comes to my fitness, that I would drift towards more activity, but I do not, I drift towards the couch, and I'm guessing you probably do too. It can be true for us intellectually, like when we drift through life, we don't necessarily drift towards, you know what, I'm gonna learn a new language. I'm gonna take my masters. I'm gonna pick up a new skill. Normally we drift towards binge watching old seasons of Malcolm in the Middle, wondering what in the world we just did. It's true in every area of our lives. You do not drift your way to a better story. In order to get to a better story, you need to walk. And I bring all of that up because we're in step 10 of this series on the 12 steps of recovery. And throughout the first nine steps, we've been talking about this, like how can we all turn the page? Like if there's some area in your life, if there's some area in my life that if I was completely honest to you, if you were completely honest with me, you would say, my story's kind of stuck on a bad part. Like in August of 2022, I think what so many of us need more than anything else is we gotta turn the page. That if your story is stuck on anger, if it's stuck on anxiety, if it's stuck on compulsion, obsession, destructive habits, addiction, if your story is stuck on discouragement, what we need in August of 2022, gotta turn the page. Your story is stuck on a bad part, it's time to turn the page. And the first nine steps of these 12 steps have been all about that. How do we turn the page? And then step 10 says, oh, but wait a minute. Let's imagine that you've taken the first nine steps. Beware of the drift. Beware of the drift. Beware of that thing that you finally, finally turn the page in that one area of your life where your story was stuck for too long. And next thing you know it, if you allow yourself, you drift back to the bad part. See, step 10 says this. We continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. When we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. When we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. Step 10 says, don't drift. You don't drift your way to a better story. You don't drift your way to a better story. You don't drift your way to a better story. How do you get there? You walk there step by step by intentional step, including when we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. In the first century, the apostle Paul planted a church in a city called Galatia. And then God inspired him to write a letter to that church that he had planted. And it's become a part of the New Testament of our Bible. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul explains it this way. He says, there's a difference between walking in the spirit and living according to the flesh. There's a difference between walking in the spirit and living according to the flesh. Paul explains it this way. He says that when you place your faith in Jesus, when Jesus saves you, immediately your sins are forgiven. Your eternity is secure. And listen to this. He puts a new spirit in you according to Ezekiel 36. He puts a new spirit in you. 
which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because if we read 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, a new creation. Well, we know this, it's not physically true. Like if you needed to lose 10 pounds before you placed your faith in Jesus, you still need to lose 10 pounds, I'm sorry. But he puts a new spirit in us. And what's really amazing about that is that that new spirit that God gives you that new spirit that he gives you is connected to the Holy Spirit. So that new spirit becomes your source of comfort and conviction. Your, your source of guidance, your source of strength, your source of hope, your source of discernment. And so Paul says this, walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. He, he, he's going to give you a promptings one next step at a time, one next step at a time, one next step at a time. Walk in the spirit. If your story was stuck on a bad part, how do you get out? Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. One next step at a time out of the bad part into a new page, into a new beginning, into something better. You don't drift your way to a better story. You have to walk there. And yet Paul says, you either walk in the spirit or you will live according to the flesh. When the Bible talks about the flesh, it's not talking about your skin and bones, it's talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. My mind, my will, and my emotions are a part of this broken world system. And I, and I want you to note the difference, okay? Paul says, walk in the spirit, walk, walk, active. Make a decision, walk, take a step, take a step, or, Live according to the flesh. Living according to the flesh is drifting. Living according to the flesh is allowing my mind, my will, and my emotions to kind of just lead the way. It just sort of happens. And here's the problem. My mind, my will, and my emotions are part of this broken world system. What I'm saying is this, that if I drift through life, the same dysfunctions, the same patterns that got me to this bad part if I drift through life, I'll be right back there. I will have turned the page and then find myself right back where I was. Drifting, living according to the flesh. That's drifting. You do not drift your way to a better life. You walk there step by step by step. If I begin to drift through life, if I live according to the flesh, if I allow, uh, kind of allow my mind and my will and my emotions to just have me do what I feel like doing, I will wind up in two places. There are two kind of dysfunctions that I will gravitate towards every time. Uh, compulsive work and people pleasing. Compulsive work and people pleasing. Now, I wanna ask you, are those your dysfunctions? Probably not, so what are yours? If you were completely honest and you looked at your life, what would you say when you allow yourself to drift, when you live according to the flesh, where do you drift? What are the dysfunctions that you, what are the patterns, the destructive patterns that you find yourself, you find emerging over and over and over again in your story? For me, it's compulsive work. You might be the opposite. You might say, you know what, when, when I allow life just to happen to me, I gotta be honest with you, I don't make a whole lot of things happen. I kind of gravitate more, more towards lazy. Or maybe you would say this, I'm a great starter, but I just don't finish. When the going gets tough, I get going, literally, I'm gone. 
Maybe that's you. Maybe that's your story. Or, or maybe you would say, man, I don't struggle with compulsive people-pleasing. I don't worry so much about that. My thing is that when I allow myself to drift, I become pretty self-absorbed, and I don't care what anybody else is doing. But when I, when I drift in life, I will usually drift towards compulsive work or people-pleasing. My mind, my will, and my emotions are kind of wired to go that way. Especially my emotions, you know? I'll find myself in life going, man, I feel like, I feel like if I don't work harder and harder and harder, I feel like if I don't work harder and harder and harder, I feel like if I don't work harder and harder and harder, I'm lazy. And then my will says, well, I don't want to be lazy. And my mind says, wait a minute. I've been given these gifts and these abilities and this opportunity. I must maximize it so I find myself working at an unsustainable pace. What about you? When I drift through life, I often drift towards people-pleasing. My counselor said to me a while ago, he says, man, when you're in conversations, you act as if you're going to be graded on the quality of that conversation. And you're pretty sure that you better get an A. I'm like, yeah, totally. He's like, including the conversations you have with me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Sometimes I'll get in a conversation and I'll be thinking to myself, I'm not enjoying the moment at all. You know why? Because I'm thinking to myself, man, are they bored? Do they think I don't like them? Do they not like me? Are they finding me quite dull? And then I end up tap dancing myself through the conversation. So those are mine. What, what are yours? I, I mention that because you won't drift your way to a better story. You won't. How will you get to a better story? you got to walk there consciously step by step by step. And I would say this, beware. Because if you allow yourself to drift, you will gain momentum. You will gain momentum. And if you look at the dysfunctions, the, the patterns that your mind, your will, and your emotions take towards, you will find that often they are self-perpetuating. They perpetuate one another. That's sure how it works for me. People-pleasing and compulsive work really go together for me. Give you a couple examples. <clears throat> so over the last couple months, there's kind of two main complaints that staff members have been coming to me saying, hey, there's, there's people in the church complaining about these two things. Before I go any further, let me just say this. I'm not, honestly, listen, if you're one of the people that complained about these two things, I love you. This is about my patterns and my struggles. It has nothing to do with anything that you've done wrong. They don't tell me who you are if you complain. If I knew, I would have already slashed your tires of your car, okay? So, no, I, pro I might not have, okay? But here's the thing. But, but I want to show you, okay, I want to show you because it shows how your dysfunction gains momentum and how, how they perpetuate each other, okay? Two complaints. Complaint number one. Mike doesn't hang out with everybody. Mike doesn't hang out with everybody. Oh, so when my mind and my will and my emotions are in control, when I'm drifting through life, that, that, that gets me real fast. So this is how I feel when I hear that. I feel like I gotta do way more. I gotta do way more, way, way more. I gotta do way more. Am I crazy? Am I crazy right now? Like there are people who wanna hang out with me and I'm not hanging out. What is wrong with me? 
So I started to think to myself, okay, Southside Church Online, Southside Church in person, uh, sporadic attendance patterns of summer of 2022. Let's just say, let's just say that 7,000 people call Southside Church home. It might be a little high, but not much, and it's for my math purposes that I picked 7,000. Okay, you'll figure it out in a second. So let's say I, I, I think to myself, okay, well, I gotta fix this. I gotta fix this because my, trust me, my mind, my will, and my emotions are gonna be like, you gotta fix this, man. This is insane. What is wrong? You gotta fix this. Okay, so if I meet with 20 people a day, if I hang out with 20 people a day for a year, I could, I could hang out with everybody. And it's a great idea, except I'd be dead in a month and a half, okay? But, but, but that's what your mind, your will, and your emotions will do. They will have you drift towards the dysfunction that got you stuck in a bad place in the first place. See, because when I walk in the spirit, I see things a lot more clearly. I think like we all need one another, right? Like I get it, like in, in church, as a part of the church, we all need one another, but Mike Manis isn't everybody's one another. Like we all need somebody, but that somebody doesn't have to be me. Does that kind of make sense? So, so when I get up here and I talk about the fact that we're a small church with lots of people, I really mean it. I want us to be a small church with lots of people. I want us to be a small church with lots of people. With lots of people, we can get stuff done that we couldn't get done if we didn't have lots of people. But we must remain, there must be venues where we can be small. To know and to be known, to love and to be loved, to understand and to be understood. We must have that. Like Small groups are such a priority. And so if you're not in a group, I would love it. Today, if you would text the keyword group to 604-670-3040. And I know it's summer, but get teed up for the fall. Get in a small group. Get in a circle. There's a lot that we can get done in rows, but there's a lot that needs to be done in circles. Does that make sense? Oh, second complaint. <clears throat> second complaint is, oh, uh, I hate it when Mike preaches on video instead of live. Same. In some ways, I love being here. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, 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 when I, and when I hear somebody say, man, I hate when Mike preaches on video, my mind, my will, and my emotions, when I'm living according to the flesh, when I'm drifting through life, that hits me hard. Because I think to myself, man, that's true. I want to be there live. And I realized that we started this series on the 12 steps of recovery back in June. 12 steps. So that's the months of June months of June, July, and August. June, that's kind of the summer months. That's the months that typically your wife and your family says, hey, we need to hang out. But I can't. I can't because there's people that are mad that I'm on video sometimes. I can't do that. So I got to tell my wife and kids, because they'll still love me. They'll still love me. I'll just say, hey, it's not going to work. Can't do it. Got to be there, got to be there, got to be there, got to be there. Work harder, harder, harder. Do you see how they, the, your, your compulsions will gain momentum? They perpetuate one another. But here's what happens. When I walk in the spirit, I go, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I put dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of hours into every sermon that I preach. And as I'm praying and studying and writing and editing and preparing, I'm inviting God into every single step of that process. And so when it comes time to deliver, yeah, man, like I, for me, I love to be here, but it's not about the presence of Mike Manus. It's about the presence of God. Now I would ask you, 
what are the patterns, when you drift your way through life, what are the patterns that you find yourself walking into? I would just say be careful. Because often when you start to drift, it's gonna gain momentum. Your dysfunctions will perpetuate one another. And the challenge is, is that we don't drift our way into a better story. We gotta walk in the spirit. We gotta walk to a better story step by step by step. When we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. When we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. I wanna say two things about that statement. When we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. Two things. First of all, I wanna talk about the promptly admitted it part. And then I wanna talk about the when we were wrong part. When we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. We promptly admitted it. We promptly admitted it when we were wrong. Okay? James chapter four, verse six says this, God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. God gives grace to the humble. In other words, it's okay to not be okay. 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 So you know what? When I stand up here and tell stories about, hey, I struggle with compulsive work and people pleasing, I'm not exactly like, wow, that's so sweet. Like, I love doing that. But if you're looking at me and saying, well, Mike's a pretty cool guy. Thank you very much, mom up there. I know you think that. Okay, so, but here's the thing. Then I hope it's an illustration to you that says it's okay to not be okay. But God loves you so much. He doesn't, want you, he doesn't want to leave you there. He doesn't want to leave you there. It's, it's okay to not be okay. But as we walk in the spirit, as we, we don't drift to a better story. We walk, as we walk in the spirit, little by little by little by little, we walk our way to a better story. So I've been learning some things, you know? So I don't know exactly where, you know, when, when you drift through life, when you live according to the flesh, I don't know what your struggles are. But I know step one for you is the same as step one for me. Pray. Pray. Back in January, I did this series called Five. I did this series called Five, and I talked about kind of like this five-part prayer that I pray every single morning. You can go back and, <clears throat> and, and, uh, and listen to the podcast if you want. But it's a real simple prayer. I pray it every single day. Five hours. Number one, the first thing I do is I review. My first R is review. I just invite God into review of my last 24 hours. The highs and lows, the ups and downs, the twists and turns of my last 24 hours. My second R is rejoice, rejoice. What am I thankful for over the last 24 hours? It is amazing how much you will learn about you. It's amazing how much you will learn about you when you notice a pattern and, and, and the same things will come up over and over and over again about the things that you are truly grateful for in your life. Here's a suggestion. When you find the same names, the same things come up over and over and over again, maybe put a little bit more time into investing in those things that you're actually truly incredibly grateful for. So first R is review. Second R is rejoice, be thankful. Third R is repent. So you look back over your day and I look at the places where I'm starting to drift. The areas of my life when I'm starting to live according to my mind, my will, and my emotions. When I, when I look at those dysfunctions, those patterns that I could fall into so easily of people-pleasing and compulsive work, I look at it and I go, okay, God, I see where that was going. Give me the strength. Give me the strength to walk in your will rather than according to my mind, my will, and my emotions. The next R is request. I pray for myself. I pray for my friends and my family. I pray for this church, I pray for you every day. I pray for things going on in the world. 
And then my final R, my fifth R, is reflect. I just spend some time reflecting on God, who he is. I think about the same God that created this incredible, like, is it beautiful where we live? Has it been beautiful? Like, I look around where we live and I think to myself, the same God who made all of this is creating a place in eternity for me. How cool is that? So I think you need to pray, first of all. If you want to go back and listen to the sermons, they're amazing. You should probably do that. But if you want to save yourself a little bit of time, you can also text the keyword five to that same number, 604-670-3040. And we have a guided prayer that will help you kind of get into that five-step process of prayer. What else have I been doing? Well, God showed me that I need to take a day off every week. You're like, whoa, Mike, that's amazing. I know, but like, like really a day off. Like, I've been trying over the last couple of years especially that I take one day off a week, and this is what I try to do, just what I want to do. Because what I would do in my past, I've told you about this before, what I would do in my past is I would save all the errands that didn't directly relate to my job and get them all done in that one day. What I try to do now is just do whatever I want to do for a day. I'm seeing a counselor. I'm getting outside a little bit more. It's good because you don't drift your way to a better story. You walk in the spirit, like step by step by step. So promptly admit it when you're wrong, but only promptly admit it when you're wrong. Only promptly admit it when you're wrong. You're like, well, Mike, who in their right mind would admit to something being wrong when it's not wrong? People do it all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. It's a problem. Give you three examples. Number one, fake authenticity. Number two, peacekeeping. And number three, time saving. So first of all, fake authenticity. Don't be fakely authentic. Authenticity is a high value in our world and I love it. I love authenticity, man. Like, slick and polished is out. I love that. Slick and polished is out. Raw and real is in. I love that. But there's a new kind of slick and polished. There's a new kind of slick and polished and it's fake authenticity. Here's how it works. You admit to something that you don't actually struggle with. Or you admit to something that really, it's not a struggle. And what it does is it takes attention off the stuff you actually struggle with in your life and makes you look good and authentic at the same time. Here's an example. Here's a church example for you. A person comes up on a stage like this and says, oh, I gotta share something with you. It's embarrassing. Don't judge me. Don't judge, I'm about to share something with you. Please don't judge me. This is, oh, it's just, it, it feels hard to even say it. I just gotta psych myself to even say this out loud in church. It's gonna be so difficult. <sighs> Are you ready? Don't judge me. Please still love me after I tell you. It's so, so difficult. Okay, a couple days ago, I rushed through my Bible reading, okay? I did, I did, I did, I did. Instead of doing 90 minutes, I did only an hour. I know, I know, please. Well, that's so weird, okay? It's not a struggle. And here's the thing about you, Hal, because that's his name, okay? Here's the thing about you. You actually have things in your life that are wrong. So here's what would be a really good idea for you. Find somebody and tell them about the real struggles you have in your life rather than sharing fake struggles to make yourself look good and authentic at the same time. Second reason we find ourselves to admitting stuff to be wrong that's not actually wrong is peacekeeping. 
peacekeeping. You say, isn't peacekeeping good? No, it's terrible. Peacekeeping is terrible. Don't be a peacekeeper. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Don't be a peacekeeper. Peacekeepers are people that have abdicated their responsibility in life. Peacekeepers are people that have allowed themselves to be silenced. They've allowed their personhood to just be abdicated. Peacekeepers often come from an angry background where they learn that you shouldn't ever confront anything because if you do, there could be like a big blow up and you want to avoid that at all costs. Or maybe it's a passively angry background where they learned, man, if you stand up for yourself in this background, that person, they won't talk to you for six weeks. So just, just abdicate, just do not exert your personhood, whatever you do, just, just say you're wrong. Peace keeper. It's so heartbreaking because the world needs you. The world needs your voice. The world needs your wisdom. The world needs you. Canadians are famous for being peacekeepers. You walk around this grocery store and you bump into somebody and they drop their yogurt all over the floor. If they're a Canadian, they will look at you. You bumped into them. They drop their yogurt. It's so gross. If they're a Canadian, they will look at you and say what? I'm so sorry. What? Don't do that. Don't do that. Number one, lunatics like me will just think that we can continue to run through grocery stores and knock yogurt out of people's hands. But number two, and more importantly, the world misses out on you. We need your voice. We need your voice. Third reason is time saving. Time saving. So maybe you've gone through a stretch in your life where you did a lot of things wrong. And then you hurt yourself and you hurt other people and it became a bit of a pattern. And so you decided, I'm just gonna save time. Whenever there's a controversy, I'm just gonna be like, my bad, it was probably me, I'm wrong. But here's the thing, you haven't been drifting through life, have you? You've been walking in the spirit, step by step by step, and you're not who you once were. So just be real careful with that. A few weeks ago, on my day off, I got up early in the morning and I went for a long walk along the river, awesome. Got home and I said to Corinne, one of the things that I like to do sometimes on my day off, sometimes on my day off what I like to do is I ask my wife Corinne, I say, Corinne, is there anything that you really wanna get done but you don't feel like doing it? Because I'd like to do that. It's fun for me, it's actually fun for me, okay? Not, not every day off, but sometimes, okay? So is there anything that you kinda wanna do but you, but you gotta get it done but you don't wanna do it? On this particular day, she said, Costco, Costco, Costco. Oh boy, okay, so this is fun. This is fun for me, okay? And she says, but it's no big deal, I just need meat. Whoa, come on, that's so easy. It's just gonna be meat, that's no problem at all. Okay, so I'm just, well, I said to her, just text me the list. Text me the list. So I drive to Costco like this. Okay, this is how you drive to Costco. And I get there, and just as I'm pulling to the parking lot, she texts me with the list. And I knew I was in trouble because when you open the list and you have to scroll like that to get to the end of the list, that's not just meat, my friend. That was not just meat at all. Now, to really understand this story, I gotta go back a, another few weeks. Somebody said to me about six weeks ago, they said, hey, Mike, it's really good for you if you walk 10,000 steps a day. You ever hear that? Yeah, I think everybody besides me 
I heard it. I didn't hear it till six weeks ago. So every day since then, I've walked 10,000 steps. I'm a little compulsive, okay? Like every single, if I have to stay up all night, I'm gonna walk 10,000 steps no matter what it takes. That's why I got this watch on, by the way. Because it only counts your steps when your phone is in your pocket, but I can't really have my phone in my pocket when I'm preaching, and I'm not gonna get ripped off from my steps. So here it is, it's counting. Yes, man. I'm sitting at 2,274 today, so I got some work to do, all right? So I walk into Costco. It was not just meat. Three and a half kilometers I walked around Costco. I got lost a couple times. I had to do some doubling back, as you do, you know, in Costco. Three and a half kilometers. Okay, so walked around Costco, three and a half kilometers. I get home. Kern was on a walk. I put the groceries away, okay? And that night, I walk into the kitchen, and I was like 17,500 steps or something, and I'm just like, check it out, 17, and Corinne looked at me and says, and why was I doing that? I just thought it was funny. I thought 17,500 was pretty funny, you know, all the walking I did around Costco, I just thought it was a pretty funny thing, and she says, why do you got to do that? I'm like, what? She says, why do you got to make me feel guilty because I'm not at 10,000 steps? And I said, because that's not what I was trying to do, but I said, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. So go to bed, wake up the next morning, come to work, and I thought to myself, that wasn't what I really was doing. But I got into this pattern in my life where it just saves time for me to go, yeah, I was wrong. So I texted Corinne, I'm like, you know what? I was trying to be funny. It wasn't really funny, but I thought it was, and, and that's really what all I was trying to do, and yeah, so I wasn't trying to make you feel guilty at all. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry, we moved on. I mentioned all that just to say this. You and me, we got some stuff we need to work on in our lives. We do, right? That's a fun thing, right? Is that we're walking in the spirit. We're walking towards a better story. There's a better, there's a better, there's a better story ahead of us. But I got enough things that I need to work on in my life that I probably shouldn't be pretending stuff that isn't wrong is actually wrong. You and me, we, we won't drift our way to a better story, but we can get there step by step by step. So I would ask you this. What's your next step? I know that if you ask God, he'll tell you. I've been praying for this week that he would give you a step, a step today. Got a baptism next week. For some of you, that's your next step. Leah mentioned it earlier that the Bible says believe and be baptized, you know? I got baptized when I was 23 years old. Corinne and I had been married for about a year when I got baptized. And our marriage was pretty good, but we had some struggles. And a lot of the struggles had to do with my anger. I was really, really angry. I loved Jesus. He had saved me. But in the area of anger, my story was stuck on a bad part. And, and, and when it came to my emotions especially, my emotions gravitated towards fear and insecurity, which, which manifested itself as anger. Does that make sense? Okay. So my story was stuck in a bad part when it came to my anger. Now, and I didn't, I never directed my anger at Corinne, but she was around me for it all the time. She was around this angry person all the time. And it caused problems, you know? And I didn't want my story to be stuck on that angry part. 
And yet I felt like other areas of my life I was making headway, but not in that area. And I just remember sitting in church and the pastor says, we got a baptism next week. And God spoke to my heart in that moment. He said, you need to get baptized. My parents had baptized me when I was an infant, which is such a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's, it's honestly such a beautiful thing for parents to do, to, to baptize your baby. I, I think what that means when, when parents baptize their infant, what it means is like we're praying for this son, for this daughter. We're praying that they would grow up to love God and to trust him. But the truth is that the Bible actually says, believe and be baptized. So the true manifestation of that prayer that my parents prayed would be this, that I myself would choose to get baptized as a believer. Make sense? So I'm sitting there in church and I realize I've never been baptized as a believer. I need to get baptized. It felt so clear to me. You know what's funny though? By the time we had got into the car after church, my mind, my will, and my emotions had already convinced me, no. No, no, no. You're 23 years old. You're so old. <laughs> That's funny. Anyways, uh, you're 23 years old. You're so old. Like all the other people getting baptized are going to be younger. Or you're 23 years old. You're so young. You've got so many more years to do this. So many reasons why next week wasn't really a good week for me. It was just really inconvenient. It just wasn't going to be good. My, my family couldn't really make the trip from Alberta. So you know what? I'm just going to delay my obedience for some other time. So I'd kind of convince myself, I'm not going to do it. That voice, you know, when God kind of prompted me, forget it. And we're driving home from church, and I just finally, I just looked at her and I said, you know what, I'm getting baptized next week. And she looked at me and she said, me too. And so we got baptized together. True story. Tori also got baptized then too, because Corinne was pregnant with Tori at the time. But anyways... Um, but my story changed that day. With that step of obedience, I can tell you honestly, the whole anger thing completely changed in my life. Why is that? Oh, it's simple. You don't drift your way to a better story. You just don't. You get there step by step by step as you walk in the spirit. So if you haven't been baptized Yet, as a believer, let's get that done. Let's do that next week. It's going to be a party. We've got a bunch of people signed up already, but we'd love to add you to the list. First service, I said, I've told this joke a million times, but I say, you know what, if you, if, I don't know exactly what your life before you met Jesus was like, but if it was kind of hair-raising like mine was, we'll just hold you under the water for a little bit longer, you know? <laughs> And some lady, and I looked, I looked at, a, there was a, a guy and his wife sitting in the front row, and she said, you'd have to hold him under for 10 minutes. <laughs> like, we have St. John's Ambulance on site for all Southside Church baptisms. But I digress. If you haven't been baptized, let's get it done. Because you're going to walk your way to a better story, step by step by step by step. So you can text the keyword dunk to 604-670-3040.
Let's pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, the first question that I wanna ask you, man, if, if you're here and you're new or you're new-ish, or you've been here a long time and you're online or in person, but you've never made that first step, I wanna give you the chance to do that right now. The first step is to accept what Jesus has already done for you, that God sent his son Jesus. He lived, he died, he rose again for you. So your sins could be forgiven so that your eternity could be secured. And he wants to put a new spirit in you, a new spirit in you, a new spirit in you, so that you can walk your way to a better story. Walk your way to freedom, step by step by step. So your first step, your first step, is to accept what Jesus did for you through his death and resurrection. So with all eyes closed and heads bowed, if that's you today and you wanna take that first step, man, I would love to pray for you. So why don't you just raise your hand right now, whether you're online or in person, and we're gonna get that done. Nice and high if you don't mind. That's amazing. Well, that's high. You guys are serious. Awesome. So whether you're online or in person right now and your hand is raised, you can put your hand down. I'm gonna pray out loud and I just invite you to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you came and you died and you rose again for me. Jesus, today I pray that you would help me turn the page. Give me a fresh, seat, a fresh sheet, a new beginning today. And because you rose again, Jesus, I, helped it. I pray that you would help me to rise to tell the story that you created me to tell, step by step by step. And God, for every single person here today or online, I pray that we would tell the story that you created us, to tell a good story, a hopeful story, a joyful story, a thankful story, step by step by step, that you would make us humble people, people of laughter, people of joy, that can go, it's okay that I'm not okay. Because God's plan is to not leave me this way. We love you and we thank you in your name. Amen. Let's celebrate. So next week, Baptism Sunday, going to be a party. I cannot wait. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.